Let's begin now. And we're live. Six Tips Sports Radio. This is After Hours. I am Dusty Likens with you tonight. Back-to-back night. Feels good. Feels like an anomaly. You don't get a lot of Royals day games followed by an off day, but I'm okay with it. Because I get to have fun. I get to ruin your drive home or make it more enjoyable. You just heard Carrington Harrison and Rob Brenton of The Drive. We'll play that interview if you missed it or missed chunks of it of Mike Gennetti on Spot Track about Chris Jones, contract negotiations, and all things considered when it comes to the holdout that is Chris Jones, but training camp always is scary. We'll get into the stories that broke today. Joe Burrow, Jalen Ramsey, both leaving practice today on a cart. Joe Burrow and coaches and doctors seem to think just a cash drain, but uh, always scary when it comes to that. But where I would like to open the show is where I have been the last two weeks. And if you're tired of hearing me talk about this man, I'm sorry. But as one who genuinely loves baseball and hopes baseball continues to change its way, this happened today. Oh, Oh, he got another one. Get going. Otani has done it again. Santa Maria. Complete game shutout. Check. Two homers in the nightcap. Check. But he grabbed his side or back after the swing. Oh, don't ruin it. That was a rocket out. Shohei Otani, complete game shutout. First game of a doubleheader. Comes back the very next game. So traditional doubleheader, back-to-back, and cranks out two bombs. I can't say this enough without the care in my heart. This is the man that baseball needs to have. And as of right now, with the team that we tend to root for, it's time to jump on the Angels bandwagon. It's fine. The Royals aren't going anywhere. They're not going to be in the playoffs. We know that. I don't even think they're at 30 wins yet. But that's not the focus of this conversation. The focus of this conversation is where we started this conversation a month ago. And that is the fact that Shohei Otani is must-watch baseball. Now, today, pretty tough to do that. Doubleheader, not on TV. But again, if you get the opportunity, which is where I'm trying to get you at, is... What you need to realize is that if he's on TV, whether it's Sunday night baseball, whether it's Tuesday night and the MLB network has it, and you have that channel, watch it. You're not going to see anything like this for a very long time. You're going to see a man get a contract that you're all going to sit back and have the same thing that you did when Patrick Mahomes got 500 million and say, yeah, that's about right. That's what I think Shohei Otani is going to get. And once again, a complete game shutout, 93 pitches during the day. And then comes back that next game and blasts two home runs. Shohei Otani is must-see TV. He's must-watch baseball. And if the Angels can do it, because they said yesterday he's off the trading block, they're not getting rid of him, they're going to make a push for the wild card, which they were four games behind as of yesterday. If Otani can get into the playoffs and make some noise and do what he did in the World Baseball Classics, because if you're a nerd like I am and you watch the matchup between Otani and Mike Trout to win it all, Boy, that was something special, but let's get into after hours. Let me talk to you. All right. So today was one of those days where I think we can all agree if you played Madden as a young kid, before you started your season, you always um, auto-simmed the preseason. But there was one thing that you had to do on the preseason. You had to turn injuries off. 
at least if you were a real one and you really knew how to play the game, you turned injuries off as preseason start. Because there was always that time if you forgot, one of your key players was going to get hurt and miss a good amount of time. Today, as the uh, internet was struck by the injuries, again, Joe Burrow off with a calf strain. It has been confirmed. I'll play the audio of, of the doctor that came on and talked about it. And also Jalen Ramsey. ACL still intact, but according to Tom Pelissero, could miss anywhere from six to eight weeks. Now, again, I think we're still six Sundays away from football, so looks like he should be back depending on how the surgery goes, which will happen here very shortly, either tomorrow or tomorrow evening. Assume tomorrow morning. They'll know more. But it seems like every year this happens. Now, the Chiefs got a little bit of dosage of it with the Katerius Tony thing, returning a punt, first punt return to practice, tweaks his knee. And now today, the Joe Burrow thing kind of struck the football world as Kadarius Tony's a name. He's not a big name, but he's a name. Joe Burrow, Jalen Ramsey, big names. Now, I want you to notice a couple things here. One is that he is wearing a sleeve or compression sleeve on that leg. Now, I want to show you this video from yesterday. What is he not wearing on his leg? A sleeve which means that he injured the calf yesterday, not today, and tried to play through it with a compression sleeve. He then tweaked it yesterday and probably caused at least a grade one, possibly a grade two calf strain, or we call gastrocnemia strain, which looks like this, in this play. Now, there are other possibilities, but that is the most likely given the way it happened. The Achilles is attached to the bottom of the calf and attaches to the heel. Players usually grab the bottom of the Achilles and usually you can see the recoil of it tearing. I do not think that this, that's what this is, but it has to be at least in the differential diagnosis given the way it happened. So again, Zach Taylor and doctors and everybody confirmed that it was just a calf strain. Again, it's always scary when you see guys go down without a non-contact injury. Joe Burrow was rolling outside of the pocket, moving up, and then all of a sudden he started hobbling onto the side. But again, this is that time of year, man. This is like if you can survive this time period of the season and get through training camp, no injuries, go unscathed, don't have to worry about anybody, just get them off the field, this is that time. Training camp is hell, man. And I'll talk about how Andy Reid is is considered quite the red ass when it comes to his training camps because on New Heights, they talked about a certain drill they do at the beginning of the season, uh, the 80-yard drive drill, which is pretty good audio to see how it uh, all fades out in Andy Reid's season. But the thing is, is that this is also partially the reason as to why maybe Chris Jones is 100% waiting to get paid. If Chris Jones were to go out and camp not extended. Now, he's already getting paid for this next season. He's, he's under contract. But this is why these guys hold out. This is why these guys want to get paid before they start doing these sort of things. And I get it. You could say to yourself, well, why does he just show up and not practice and just say that that's a distraction? He knows it. The team knows it. They'd rather have him there and practicing instead of he's refusing to practice, show up, and he's getting fined. Mina Kimes had this to say about Chris Jones and why he should be getting signed, and I'll explain why it's okay if he's not there, but we know the end all be all. Looking through some of Chris Jones' 
stats this year and thinking through some of his performances uh, last season. Not only did he play a ton of football, he had the most snaps of any defensive tackle in the NFL last year. Second most if you only count the regular season. So it wasn't just because the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. He ranked first in like ev literally every category. He ranked first in pass rush win rate, which is ESPN's metric. If you beat a block in 2.5 seconds or less, no other Chiefs defensive tackle ranked in the top 50. He ranked first amongst all defensive tackles in pressures. The next Chief was Kalen Saunders, who's no longer a Chief. He ranked first in pass rush wins versus double teams last year by a massive margin between him and Aaron Donald. He ranked first in most sacks created. I could go on and on. The point is, he was incredible. He was prolific. prolific. And I don't really have a lot of depth behind him. Like, you take him out of this defense, and it looks very different. Indeed, Mina Kimes, indeed. But again, Chris Jones knows his worth. The Chiefs knows his worth to the team. They're just not quite on the same page. And seeing things like this, seeing training camp stories evolve like this every single year, this is partially why someone doesn't show up or someone doesn't want to you know, risk things when it comes to injury. This is something that is, unfortunately, the business. And when things like this happen, they get involved in the negotiations of contract extensions, money, all that sort of thing. Chris Jones holding Pat and obviously seeing today's news with Joe Burrow, calf strain, Jalen Ramsey, ACL or knee, not torn or anything like that will have surgery and should miss six to eight weeks. According to Tom Pelissero. yesterday, we talked about these morons. That's a tough word to say, but people that thought Patrick Mahomes should demand something. It was a strange face and a different personality that took the high road to exactly what we talked about yesterday on after hours is 610 sports radio. I'm dusty like, you're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Because this is fun, just let me give you a little quick timeline of Shohei Otani today. 1.10 p.m., Otani starts game one of a start as a starting pitcher. An hour and 10 minutes later, Otani gives up his only hit as the pitcher. Only hit, one hit. 326, Otani finishes a complete game shutout. 410, the second game of the Angels doubleheader starts by 445 p.m. Otani had already gone yak once, and then an hour later, he did it again. It's the greatest showman on earth. Like I've said before, the likelihood of seeing another Mahomes before we see another Otani is 100% accurate. But, hey, maybe this is a generational athlete that'll get kids to be like, you know what? If I want to get paid in baseball, I'm going to play second base and I'm going to pitch because I got a stick and I got an arm. And if you can do that, by God, you can do anything you want. Shohei Otani, man, what a what a day to be alive. You don't see uh, you don't see these things very often. That's why I say it's must see TV, but it is. I get it. It is football season. We do get hard knocks around the corner. I'm sure the franchise for the Chiefs is off and running and recording. But I thought it was interesting yesterday because as soon as Joe Burrow gets signed and as soon as Justin Herbert is not Joe Burrow, but Justin Herbert gets signed and Joe Burrow's the next name again, Joe Burrow calf strain. That's what they're calling it. Calf strain, probably humid weather, maybe too much booze the night before, but who knows? But I thought it was interesting because yesterday when these tour, these sort of stories break about guys getting contracts and where they rank on the top paid list. It's interesting to hear how people try to twist the knife into 
what they want you to believe. And as pro football talk is coming out with, or pro football focus is coming out with, well, Patrick Mahomes ought to be, you know, he ought to be demanding more money. He's the league's most underrated player. He's the most underrated, underpaid player of all time. Aaron Rodgers drops a bomb on the entire NFL world, and he agreed to take a whopping $35 million pay cut in a new adjusted contract. This is via Tom Pelissero. The Jets inherited a two-year $110 million deal, and Rodgers is dropping it to a two-year $75 million contract. Gives them a two-year window to try to win it all. And now with more money for the team to spend elsewhere, I also bring that up because a lot of people thought to themselves, well, Mahomes, he should be demanding more money. He should be asking to be the top paid quarterback in the league. And what we say yesterday, what was our main objective yesterday? Patrick Mahomes is addicted to two things over money, being on top and winning. And right now he's doing both of those at a very successful rate. Why? Because they are managing their contracts and they know how to win with what they currently have. $35 million pay cut from Aaron Rodgers explains to me that there are two things he cares about. He really wants to get that second ring and he wants to get the best opportunity that he has, and he thinks he has it right now in New York. You have a defensive-minded head coach that has a very good defensive plan and the number one, I would say, cornerback in the league. i take Sauce Gardner over any corner in the league if you took me to, told me to pick one corner. Swear to God. Rodgers has Garrett Wilson. For those of you that are fantasy nerds and rating for fantasy football to return on Sundays, which it will, Garrett Wilson, high second-round second pick. Because you know how Aaron Rodgers gets with his wide receivers. Once he locks in, that man collects. Now, again, I'm not comparing him to Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson yet, or any of those guys, even Randall Cobb. But Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, if they get on the same page, you're looking at maybe 10 catches a game, 100-plus yards, chances for touchdowns. You know Aaron Rodgers will sling it. But Aaron Rodgers going to New York, leaving the Jets, going to a team that paid a lot of money for him, takes a pay cut, $35 million, and proves to the world of all people of all people, Aaron Rodgers. Now, we should have known that Aaron Rodgers is probably into different things than money and that sort of being the richest man on the planet type of thing when he's going to mineral conventions, doing ayahuasca, going to houses, naked, dark, no cell phones, just eating food that's delivered through a slot. That's just Aaron Rodgers. Hey, man, I don't think money is really on that man's mind. Kind of like Ricky Williams. He wanted to hang out with Lenny Kravitz and just get ganjaed out. That's just his thing, man. Do you? Money was never an issue. Rodgers has endorsements. He knows where he's at. But the other news that backs this up that shows that he cares about winning is, yes, they have Brees Hall, rookie draft pick last year, went out of the rest of the season due to an injury, but he's back. But not only that, they're trying to go get a veteran in Dalvin Cook who will be visiting the team on Saturday. And at one point, reports had mentioned that they were about a million dollars apart on negotiations for joining the team. Dalvin Cook on that roster adds depth and gives him even more of a chance to win. And when you look at that sort of thing, Dalvin Cook sees Aaron Rodgers loosening up the contract so that he can be a member of this team, kind of inherits that attitude, turns this team into a new team. I find this funny because there were a ton of reports, like we started this conversation out yesterday with, saying that Aaron Rodgers or that Patrick Mahomes should demand more money. Some of these guys just don't get it. And I know there are some guys that have poisoned this water hole where all athletes want the same thing. That's just kind of a lazy take. Now, you can stay on that lethargic narrative and think to yourself, oh, well, 
All athletes want what's best for them, and that is money. And that's not necessarily the case. Now, Aaron Rodgers, obviously older, 38 years old, been in the league. I really, truly do believe that Aaron Rodgers wants to win and definitely wants to get his second ring. There are a lot of guys that are, you know, maybe played before him that didn't get that second ring. I look at guys like Drew Brees, right? You look at guys like John Elway, got a second one late in his career, kind of solidified his path and kept him away from other guys that got the one ring. Because Aaron Rodgers in the same category as Drew Brees, Joe Flacco, guys like that. But if he's not, and he can win and do it with a different team, he's then kind of solidified himself as one of the top tiers of all time. Now, again, I don't know if he cares about that, but I know that he cares about winning. And I know that he cares about winning right now because it's two years. Ages is coming out of time. And time's undefeated against you. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be the same quarterback next year that he is this year. That's just a fact. But the one thing that he realizes is that if he can take less money... 35 million. They can use that to free up space to go get a guy like Dalvin cook. And then you have a two headed running back system. One who was a 17, no 1400 yard rusher last year, solid individual in the Minnesota D in the Minnesota offense, still 30 years old, got a little bit of youth left rookie wide out solid tight in play and a defense that's led by a, a defensive minded coach and the best cornerback in football. And the jets have a lot of competitive games coming up this year. One of which, which is week four against Kansas City Chiefs. They're also on hard knocks. This ought to make for some quite intelligent and uh, pretty attractive television. If you listened earlier to the drive, you may have heard it. If you missed it, it's a great interview. Mike Gennetti of Spot Track joined Carrington Harrison and Rob Britton. I give you that interview next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. As I'm getting old, the chip up on my shoulder, Text line, keep coming in with the Shohei Otani, saying that he's going to get $750 million to a billion. That's not going to happen. It's too old to get that kind of money. Um, but $500 million for sure is in the bag, if not $550. And then as soon as he gets paid, he's going to let the team know, I'm done pitching. He's not. That'd be hilarious. Um, but obviously, he's not going to do that. You are listening to After Hours Snet on 610 Sports Radio. God bless you all. Uh, on this extremely hot day, I'm excited to get home. It's uh, it's a fun night for me. I got a uh, I got a I got a six pack of pounders uh, ready to go on ice and uh, new grips for the golf clubs. So uh, already shredded the old rubbers, getting ready to put some new ones on. I know that's kind of probably going to sound sexual to a lot of people. It's not meant to be, so don't get it twisted. But yeah, it's always kind of nice. I don't know if anybody out there has ever gripped their own golf clubs. Very. Uh, satisfying feeling when it's done. Also extremely hard because you have to just sit in there and look at all your golf clubs just standing there and you can't touch them for 45 or 40, 48 hours. Mike Giannetti of SpotTrack joined Carrington Harrison and Rob Britton of The Drive about the Chris Jones contract situation in that time of year. Uh, we're at that point of the season where these kind of decisions have to happen. Uh, we're seeing, you know, a, a, a ton of extensions hit the table today and uh, that's not going to slow down here as a lot of these guys try to get locked in and, and ready for camp. Uh, and this is that's one hanging out there. Chris Jones is willing to take a couple of a uh, couple of days of fines here, I think, to make sure that he gets what is worth to him. And look, it's it's really not an argument, you know. If the the calculated value is thirty to thirty two, you know, there's really not much wiggle room here. We know where Aaron Donald lives. We know where these literally a, a half dozen defensive tackles have signed now underneath this process. So uh, there's a pretty decent gap where he's got to slide into this in the next couple of days here, or or I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't report if I'm Chris Jones. I am normally pro player. I -hmm. think 30 to 32 is a little bit too high here where I thought initially, whenever I saw Quinn and Williams sign, I said on the show, 
I think the right number for Chris Jones is around four years, 104, and around $70 million. It sounds to me like you think that's on the low end of what he should get. Yeah, I'm not going to hang up too much on that AAV number. Uh, To me, it's about 75 guaranteed. That's the number. So you want to do that over three years, uh, two and a half years at, at signing, that's where, that's where I think this thing has to happen uh, pretty much. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going below that number right now. I know where Aaron Donald is. It's $95 million. To me, that's a, that's a unicorn situation. Uh, but if this needs to get done in the next week or so, that 75 is the number I'm pushing for, and it's really uh, you know, without pushback. And, Mike, I'm looking at the leverage that Chris Jones has in these negotiations. So we had Joel Corey on. I'm sure you're familiar with his work. He was on the show last week. And he said that the franchise tag next year for Chris Jones would be $33.6 million. You and I both know the Chiefs are not franchise tagging a defensive tackle at 33.6, but he's also not a player that you want to just simply let walk in free agency. Jones holds a little bit of leverage here. A lot. Yeah, a lot. There's there's the football side of it, and then there's that really strong you know business intellect side of it right there. So it's, it's not something they want to you know sit around on which is why I'm surprised we're still having this conversation, you know, at the end of July heading towards August here. But I, I agree. Uh, look, I, I appreciate what Kansas City's doing. They are, they are the number one team to be able to suppress contracts right now. We, you know, New England went through that for a long, long time, and they were successful able to keep, keep players around. However, New England let a lot of good players walk, too, and some of those were on the defensive line. So we've seen Kansas City now lose Tyron Matthew and Tyreek Hill because they simply had a number they wouldn't go north of. I have a feeling that's exactly what's happening here, and somebody's going to have to push. Right now, we're talking to Mike Gennetti of Track, going through the Chris Jones contract. We'll also talk about the Justin Herbert deal and some of the other contracts in the National Football League. I know the answer, but can you clarify for our listeners why the franchise tag would be so high? Because I think people hear that 33.6 number and think, ooh, that sounds like too much. But that would be his franchise tag number next year if the Chiefs tag him. Right, yeah, it's about you know what the rest of the market is doing at that position, and as we just talked about, it it's been booming. Right, we had a wide receiver boom last year. This year's been the boom of the defensive tackle, uh, and I don't see that slowing down. We have got some really nice young players that continue to come to the system as first round picks, and those first round picks turn the top of market contracts. So, uh, as the cap goes up ten percent, as these as these def- defensive tackle numbers continue to go up, uh, and they're you know they're not fluffy deals anymore, right? They're strength of contract, they're guaranteed contracts, which turns into bigger franchise numbers. You're going to see that number continue to rise. So 33 on the cap as a one-year tender for a team like Kansas City, who's nickel and diamond this thing from day one. It's just not going to work out. You're dead on there, and that's not an option for for March next year. Mike, if you had to just throw out a guess, nobody knows, but let's just throw it out. When do you think Chris Jones is going to report? Because at some point, you're simply lighting money on fire. And I understand Mm -hmm. fighting the power, trying to get as much money as you can. I'm not ready to give my employer back a half million dollars. I'm not that committed to the cause. When do you think we could see this thing potentially wrap up? Four days seems about right. Uh, you know, about 200,000 fines, which is a ton of money. Uh, but that seems about right. And I, I bet somebody, both sides are starting to push back heavily at that point in time. Uh, but it's about the guarantees for me. Like I said, if you want to go out there and say you won this deal because it's $28 million a year and not 30 I, I'm going to let that happen if I'm the player and agent. As long as I know over the next two and a half years I'm getting next dollars and I haven't come down on that price. So, Mike, let's say that tomorrow you see a tweet flash across the screen. It's Albert Breer. It's... Adam Schefter, it's whomever. Yeah. And you see that the two sides have reached an agreement. What do you think that agreement looks like for Chris Jones? Yeah, extension-wise, I, I, I hope it's not more than three years. 
you know, I want this thing to be kind of tight and tight and meaty and, and impactfully guaranteed. So something around that three for 90 seems like a good, a good sticking point. I don't think you have to go too much more north of that uh, on an a- average annual. And then if you can guarantee 75 of that, that's a really nice, you know, 70 to 80% guarantee for that small tidy contract. So we're tacking on the 20 million due this year and you're over the hundred million mark. So I, I think that's about right. Um, that's where my hat would be if I throw it in the ring, but we know how this stuff works. There's a, there's a lot of semantics that can get thrown into this, especially for marketing purposes. Mike, can you clarify for us how much cap space would get cleared for the chiefs if they get this done? So let's say they sign the deal that you just talked about, about yeah. approximately how much cap space would open up for the chiefs if they get this done. Yes, you're definitely carrying over uh, about $7.5 million from that current contract. That's the, uh, the restructured bonus that, that's happened over the past couple of years, and then the workout bonus that's been paid out now. So uh, that, that's coming over. So can we talk about a minimum salary and then a decent signing bonus? That's not, that's not the way they went last time on this contract, but let's just assume that's where they go. Uh, we can get this thing into the 11 and $12 million cap mark pretty easily if we're doing that. So we're talking about... Uh, you know, almost 15 million saved. So I'd say anywhere between 10 and 15 saved. Now, does Kansas City need to do that? Probably not, right? So you're, you're going to look to front load a little bit more of that if you, if you can and make sure that you can your back end's a little bit you know, lighter on the edge. So uh, I can see it happening where about 12 to 15 is the right amount of savings when this thing's all said and done. But Kansas City's got some wiggle room there too as well. I don't know if you've already started this process. So if you haven't, I completely understand because next season, the Chiefs are going to have a couple of big contracts that are out there. Sneed is going to be a free agent. Creed Humphrey is going to be eligible for a long-term extension. Nick Bolton is going to be eligible for a long-term extension. Trey Smith is also going to be available for one. To me, Creed Humphrey is a non-starter. This team has really invested on the offensive and defensive line. I can't see them letting Creed Humphrey walk at any point, so I think he's going to sign. What do you think a contract extension for him looks like? What do you think mm-hmm. it looks like for Bolton? What do you think it looks like for Trey Smith? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to dive into with a lot of these teams who are trying to stay relevant and you know in dynasty mode here. But a lot of these numbers have come up, right? We've got we've got centers now approaching fifteen million a year, and Humphrey's already established himself as one of the best in the business at, at a young age. So you're right. I'm not sure Kansas City gets in the, in the market of extending players after year three because that's a luxury that they can wait on at least one more year. But we'll see if we go to that mark. Uh, we're, you know, we're talking almost 50 million guaranteed now, practically speaking for centers. So that's, that's about what's going to happen. If, if that becomes the case next off season, I think Snead should have gotten done this off season. Personally, I, I think that's one they could have locked in maybe before he takes that next step forward, which I, I think maybe you're, you're saying, seeing the same thing out of him that I am. And uh, he's, he might get a little bit too expensive and he might have to walk next year. I think that's probably going to be the plan. However, cornerback market has dipped a little bit and that franchise tag may be pliable for Kansas City next February with Snead. So I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning towards that for those two players. Uh, Bolton's a non-sign for me right now. Unfortunately, that's a position I'm not doing anything early with. He's an excellent player. He was absolutely everything they needed at the time, but I'm not touching that next offseason at all. That's interesting to hear you say that because I think most Chiefs fans are kind of on the opposite He went to Mm -hmm. Mizzou, so I think there's a connection there. He played really well in the Super Bowl. He's been a guy that's just racked up a lot of tackles. He's not a guy that you're open to maybe early extending? It's just the wrong position for that, in my opinion. I think there's a a business acumen that's gone into this a lot, and and Kansas City has shown that they can bully things around just a little bit with their their success. So I do think uh, the offensive line conversation has to be a priority and remain a priority. 
And oh, by the way, we got to talk about a Mahomes extension <laughs> in this time frame as well, because I do think that's going to be sooner rather than later. So if it's about offensive line plus quarterback again next year, then a lot of positions are going to get pushed away uh, because of it. Right now we're talking to Mike Gennetti of Track here. This is where I get all my NFL salary cap information for a couple of more minutes. Mike, the quarterback market is really intriguing to me because there's really only three lanes. There is franchise quarterback money. You don't even have to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think Daniel <laughs> Jones is one, but if you're going to extend me, this is what it costs to extend me there is then failed starter money that's what baker mayfield is making and then there's rookie contract and then we'll see which one of those first two tiers that you're in this quarterback market is just really really intriguing it's wild if you're average you're 40 million if you're great you're 55 million and if you're nothing you basically go down to a minimum salary and try to showcase yourself back up to that second tier it's, it's pretty wild uh at some point, that's going to break and maybe level off a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe when the cap hits get to a situation where you just can't do anything about it anymore. But for now, right, Justin Herbert's contract that just hit, uh, we're starting to get some loose details on it. It's it's a big boy contract. It's 130 million for over three years, and it's going to get guarantee him basically 200 million over five years. So it's uh, it's as good as you can do right now for a guy who basically has won nothing in the postseason and, and still looks like he's every bit the part of it. We appreciate you, man. Appreciate the time. Yep. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Final segment of the 6 o'clock hour here on After Hours. Dusty Likens with you tonight. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio. Thankfully, you are. Um... I think some of us out there can consider themselves still the wrestling fan, the the gentleman's soap opera, per se. And boy, do we have fireworks already for this new season. Um, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I'll reference that in a little bit. From the 816, turn up Dusty, rolling around the city, enjoying the nightlife with Dusty Likens. Can we trade Chris Jones for two first-round draft picks? No, the answer to that is very simplistic. I love that you're rolling around listening to me. I, I Trust me. Praise God. But, I mean, I will say this. There's no way you're getting two first-round draft picks for Chris Jones, and I don't think Chris Jones is playing for anybody but the Kansas City Chiefs. IMO. Somebody also says from the 913, Dusty, what Otani is doing, plus the fact that baseball prints its own money is ridiculous. I bet Otani gets a combined ace and heart of the order contract. Couldn't disagree more. The only thing is, Shoy Otani, I believe he's in his 30s, so... That's obviously part of the negotiations and part of the talks that go on um, with that. But what I'm referencing when it comes to kind of like the WWE promo cut, um, if you need to know, if you want to watch a really good one, go watch uh, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins from a couple weeks ago. Pretty, uh, pretty theatrical. But Sean Payton, no stranger to the streets, no, uh, kind of has a little bit of like scumbagish vibes, at least in the picture that I'm looking at. It looks like, but he comes out and he quotes and says. Regarding Nathaniel Hackett and says it might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. And he kind of references the Jets, kind of brings in some stuff, you know, that maybe now that Nathaniel Hackett's the offensive coordinator over there, there's, you know, maybe an issue or two with what their offense might do, even though it's led by Aaron Rodgers. But this was Robert Sala when asked about the Sean Payton comments. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is he? You know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But, uh, but as far as you know, what we have going on here, it's 
Um, you know, the I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. You know, it's uh, obviously we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. And I'm good with it, you know. But, uh, you know, the guys in our locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them. Um, um, and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job. And, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole other analogy I'll get into later. But, uh, but really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on. And, uh, um, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every, every moment that we have. Let me talk to you. Okay, that's what this sounds like, okay? Robert Sala, no stranger to the streets either. He kind of knows the the ropes of football and kind of gives you that little bit of maybe 90s rock versus Triple H vibe, right? Gives Sean Payton the accolades, lets him know who he is, tells everybody, hey, he's been in the league long enough. But the fact that he brings up that we don't play each other till week four, he must know that something's going right over here if he's talking about us. And the thing that's interesting about this is, this is, to me, what separates certain people in the NFL from other people. Sean Payton has, to me, no business doing this. Sean Payton, your team sucked last year. And a lot of people are either, A, it was Nathaniel Hackett, or B, it was cringy Russ Wilson. Now, we've already seen some cringy videos already where Russell Wilson was the, uh, what are you, what was he, the, the, the guy, Tony Perkis from Heavyweights, doing the slide and the glide workout uh, things. And he was, you know, saying that he's in the best shape of his life, yada, yada, yada. The thing I love about this is that Robert Sala did nothing to really give any fuel to this fire. Sean Payton's out here July 27th, nothing to do, got a team that he thinks he can win with because he, you know, he's sticking up for his locker room. But the only good he's doing is kind of important, which is winning the locker room over, destroying the pass, burning it down, and letting everybody know that he's going to bat for them. And there's no lie that what Nathaniel Hackett did last year was atrocious. We remember the first game of the year, right? Geno Smith's coming out party. He had the great quote of haters tried to write me off. I just haven't wrote back yet. And Nathaniel Hackett with the quarterback that they signed for all the money that Walmart and the Broncos combined to pay Russell Wilson, they decided to kick a like 59 yard field goal, 60 yard field goal at the end of the game, instead of putting the ball in their big dollar man's hand, Sean Payton, you are exactly right that whatever Nathaniel Hackett did last year was terrible. But let's not forget, Robert Sala has Aaron Rodgers. You have Russell Wilson. We can clearly see that the regression that is in Russell Wilson is slowly but surely windling down in front of us. Now, again, I don't think he makes a significant stride this next year. I think we saw it all with our own two eyeballs last year that Russell Wilson just ain't the same. I mean, seriously. And Aaron Rodgers, obviously last year's team was a little weaker than maybe we'd like to see Aaron Rodgers play with. And this year he's playing with the offensive rookie of the year from last year in Garrett Wilson. He's going to have Brees Hall back. There's probably no doubt in my mind they signed Dalvin Cook. Now that he took less money, it's just kind of one of those pecking order type things. But Sean Payton, man, he ain't been in football for a while. And the last time that you were successful, you had a very successful quarterback in Drew Brees. When Drew Brees left Sean Payton, and Sean Payton we know had the history of the you know, the, the fire of gate where he was, he and Greg Williams were, were being Richards and trying to, what they say, the monster can't breathe if you cut its head off. 
And now he's out here, kind of same vibes. What they did last year was atrocious. We're trying to do something the complete opposite. We want to win. How about you worry about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders before you go after the New York Jets? Because there's two things that this says. One, you're trying to win over the locker room, which is fine. Two, you're also starting a blank storm that you have no reason starting. And now if you go get absolutely walloped by the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers, which you've now given them bulletin board material, which we all know exists. We've listened to podcasts. We've watched, you know, the quarterback. We know that stuff exists. You're doing no favors to your team that is in a, in a year of, okay, you're our last hope. You are essentially their Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sean Payton. They put a lot of money in Russell Wilson. Walmart bought the team. You got Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams. You have a pretty decent defense. You have a young Sertan Jr. on the outside. You had a decent defense last year. All you have to do is make it work. And right now what you're doing is taking shots at guys that ain't even in your own division. And you ain't even been in the NFL for the last five years. I love it. I really do. It's a WWE promo. It's two guys smoking up a tree that they don't know what they're doing, which is fine, which isn't really a saying. It just kind of came naturally. But again, listen to how Robert Sala essentially buries Sean Payton's comments. What do you say? Crows pecking at the nest and they can't, they'll suffocate because they can't fly high enough. Here it is. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is he, you know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants, but, uh, but as far as, you know, what we have going on here, it's, um, you know, the, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away, you know, it's uh, obviously we're doing something right. If you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four and I'm good with it, you know, but uh, you know, the guys in our locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them. Um, um, and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job. And, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole other analogy I'll get into later. But... Uh, but really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on. And, uh, um, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every, every moment that we have. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.